Hi, and welcome to the Radius Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're interested in finding out more information about Radius Church, please check us out on our website, radiuschurch.tv. So as I've already said, we've covered um, the, the fir- well, first of all, the Bible has historical books, and it all, man, I feel like there's a freight train in back of me. I'm not- <laughs> I think the back of my head's going to get a sunburn today, everybody. <laughs> Whew. All right. I, I need somebody to dap the back of my head as I preach. No, I'm just kidding. All right. So uh, there's historical books and there's prophecy books that we've already uh, talked about. Daniel is one of the rare books that, that the first six chapters are very historical. The last six chapters are very prophetic in nature. And, um, and as I've already said, I'm not an end-time preacher. If you hear the word in church, eschatology, that's end-time teaching. Um, I'm not really that. Um, I'm more of the kind of pastor that I want to help you fall in love with God and apply principles from the Bible that you're loving God and hating sin and the rest of it's just going to work out. Because I've studied all the books, I've read all the theologians, I've studied countless commentaries on end time events and I don't preach it not because I don't know about it because I'm ignorant, it's because I'm undecided on a few things. And, 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 and I'm not sure because I hear one great preacher and another great preacher. And some of those things, they differ a little bit. And, and if you know anything about end times, there's a great tribulation coming. Well, some teach that the church will be taken up out of here before the tribulation. I kind of like that. I want to be on the first elevator, everybody, all right? <laughs> and, and so some teach that. And that's what we call pre-trib. The church is taken away pre-tribulation. I'm going to give you some scripture and let the Holy Spirit kind of help you discern on your own. I'm going to give you a little bit, and and there are some areas that you can feel free to disagree. It doesn't change the end of the story. All right, everybody? Come on. I said it doesn't change the end. We win. Okay, okay. I just want to make sure we're... So some teach what's called a pre-trib. Some teach a mid-trib that the church is going to go through the first three and a half years. And there's a mid-tribulation resurrection or rapturing of the church. And some teach that there's a post-tribulation. So all that means is the church pre-trib, we don't have to go through any of it. Mid-trib, we have to go through half of it. And and post-trib is we go through all of it and then Jesus comes and saves us. Uh, and so uh, that, that, those are three different theologies, pre-trib, uh, mid-trib, and post-trib. I believe in a pan-trib. How many know what that is? Uh, my theology is a pan-theology. It means it's all going to pan out in the end the way God wants it. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about, right? Okay, that's not very deep, but that's the truth about me, all right? And so, like I said, I typically don't deal with this subject. Um, and, and the Bible says a lot about end times. But here's what I want you to know. The Bible is also very ambiguous and kind of gray on a lot of end time things. And and, and Daniel, he had a, a dream. He has dreams, multiple dreams, where he saw the future. All right, we're going to talk about that here in just a moment. But I want to first go back, uh, or forward rather, to the words of Jesus in the New Testament and see what Jesus said about end times. And and I'm actually going to read a portion of scripture to you that Jesus is talking and he says where he validates the dreams or the words or the book of Daniel so that when we go backwards to the book of Daniel and finish the book of Daniel, you'll know that Jesus already validated and pointed towards Daniel. All right. You guys with me so far? Okay. So here we go. Matthew 24. 
Um, Matthew 24, here's what it says. It says, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and said, tell us, they said, uh, now watch these words, uh, tell us when will this happen? They're referring to the end time. When will this happen? Uh, the disciples are no different than us. We want to know, don't we? Right. I want to know the day that you're coming back. They said, when will this happen? And then watch the second. He says, and what will be the signs of, the, of your coming and of the end of the age? Now, I want you to notice these two questions. The first thing they said is when. And when we read the rest of that, you'll notice that Jesus doesn't answer the question when. How many of you already knew that? He doesn't answer the question. Matter of fact, Jesus says that even the Son of God doesn't know the day when. Only God knows. And so anyone that claims that they know the day or when Jesus is coming, uh, I would say it a different way if I wasn't on the church's platform. But I will say it this way here. They're wrong, okay? Because then they're claiming to know more than Jesus knows, and Jesus doesn't even know the day. So the when question can't really even be answered. I think, I think purposely God left it ambiguous because he just wants us to be faithful till the end. Yeah. Whatever the end might look like. Hello, anybody? Yeah. All right. And so, so here's a better question. The better question is, uh, what will the signs be? And that's what I want to talk about. Now, let me give you a little background. I grew up in a church, especially in my teenage years. We used to have this guest evangelist that came in all the time. And in my teen years, he would come and he would preach end-time events. So I've had my fill of end-time events. And I'm going to tell you, as a teenager, as a 15, 16, 17-year-old, man, I would listen to him preach. And I wasn't intrigued. I was scared out of my mind, everyone, because they, we don't, they didn't have digital technology back then. He would come to town, and he would roll this big leather banner that stretched across the whole stage. And, and the leather was not cut real pretty. It was kind of ominous. And these big giant sticks that looked like trees. And, and there were drawings on the banner as he would teach. And he would show the picture of the Antichrist and the idols and 666. And Jesus on a white horse with fire coming out of his eyes. And I was scared, everybody. I was just scared. And all I could say is, Jesus, don't come now. I want to get married first. How many remember those days, right? Some of you married folks are now saying, Jesus, please come now. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. I just thought maybe I'd throw that out there. You laughed at it. Anyway, so <laughs> he came with all these charts and graphs and, 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 and talking about when Jesus would come. And it was, it, it was kind of in a way that was kind of scary. And so I have this fear. I, I think it's ironic that we got our new screen this weekend because my fear is not looking like those old-time preachers with the big banners in back of them. Hello, somebody. <laughs> when, it doesn't say when, but what. And it tells us to watch for these signs. Now, every generation has pointed towards something in their generation that says, aha, there's the signs. There it is. Come on. And we can even study that in history, right? And probably all of us at one time or another said, uh-oh, these are the signs that Jesus talked about. Man, Jesus is coming kind of thing. In fact, one of the best examples that many of us in our living generation talk about is World War II, right? And, of course, we're watching the news right now, watching what's going on. But we point toward World War II. And those that lived through that... They were thinking, wow, this is the sign of the end of the age, the whole massacre of the Jewish people and Holocaust and all of that. 
And so through all generations, there have been all of the signs that are talked about in Scripture fulfilled. But watch this. Here's the difference. I want you to lean into this. We are the first generation that's alive on earth right now to have all the signs happening at the same time. What, what? <laughs> right? And so I think because of that, we, whether this is your style of teaching or not, we owe it to ourselves to at least consider some things that are being said. Matthew 24 goes on in later verses, in verse number 12, and it says, Because of the increase of wickedness, would anybody agree with that? The increase of wickedness and, and, and the love of most will grow cold. Let me stop right there real quick. The love of most will grow cold. Um, there has been a gradual decline in, in church, but there are also pockets of great church growth. Um, I read some crazy statistic that there have been more people saved between 2003 to now than were previously came to Christ uh, after Christ, after the resurrection of Christ. That's a lot. In other words, we're in a harvest generation, everybody. And so, yes, the church is in decline in one way, but in another way, people are searching more and more not for church or good church, but they're looking for a real Savior. Amen? And, and that's why I think that we have to give up as a church trying to be cool and trendy and have all the latest things and really preach Jesus and the grace and the love of our Lord. Right, everybody? And it says that the love of most will grow cold. Now, let me just, I, I'm, I'm trying not to preach opinion, but just let me give you a couple facts. Since March of 2020, remember there was something that happened in March of 2020. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, they said we couldn't come to church anymore. Well, since that time, church uh, attendance has greatly declined across America. It's really declined globally, but particularly it shows up in America that it's declined by approximately 50%. That is crazy. Now, they're still measuring all the people that are watching online because we have ways to watch. We, we watch our analytics, how many people watch our messages online. We have about as many that show up on a Sunday still watching messages online. We're one of the few churches, thank God for His grace, that we've actually grown during COVID. Come on and give them praise for that, right, everybody? Okay. But churches are declining. I mean, churches that I know, I've personally talked with the pastors that were having 1,000 people on a Sunday before COVID that maybe have two or 300 now after COVID, and that's including those that are watching online. My speculation, this part's my opinion, my opinion is that if you've spent all your life attending a dead religious church, when you are forced not to be able to attend that church, you recognize that there's nothing really missing in your life. When you're attending a life-giving, grace-preaching church and that you can't come, you recognize, I want to be around those Christ people. Right, everybody? Come on, everybody. All right? So we're seeing the love of most grow cold, even in our generation right now. Verse number 13 says, but those, the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Thank you, Jesus. And th that's why I'm preaching this, by the way. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. 
and then the end will come. This is an interesting thing. I love this little thing, and this gospel uh, will be preached. Here's what's interesting. Uh, the word all nations, let's see, let me back up, uh, and the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world. One translation says in all nations. Uh, the, the original word there in the Greek is ethno, ethnos, which is where we get ethnic groups. So right now is the first time in history, and it's all because of this kind of technology that we are, for the first time ever, reaching every ethnic group on the globe with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Come on, everybody. Come on. We used to have to build Bible colleges with brick and mortar. Now you've got a whole Bible college right in your pocket. Right? It's called a smartphone. You can Google. You can look up all kinds. Of, you can hear messages all the time. So for the first time, every ethnic group is hearing the gospel or has the opportunity to hear the gospel. Um, and, and it's one of the reasons, uh, you may not know this, but 10% of every dollar you give, we turn around and plant, uh, we turn around and give that to church planters through an organization called ARC, which is Association of Related Churches, which is the second fastest but the most successful church planning organization in the world right now. Only second to the Southern Baptists, but the Southern Baptists don't have the success rate. 93% of the churches that ARC are planning become life-giving churches. And watch this, 95% of the people that are getting saved in America today are getting saved in a church that is five years old or less. Come on, everybody. So we invest in that. By the time we hit October, when we hit October this year, this doesn't count all the different ministries that you help us support and help get the gospel message out there. This is just our, when we hit October this year, this little four-and-a-half-year-old church will have given $100,000 to our church planners around the globe. Come on, everybody. Come on now. Matter of fact, it was just this year that we reached our 1,000 church plant. And, of course, uh, you're involved and probably don't even know it. Corey, one of our overseers, will be here this year. He's involved in that. But let me read a, a little text he gave me the Sunday that they planted the 1,000th church. And ever since COVID hit, uh, the globe has opened up to the ARC uh, Association of Related Churches to plant churches in, all right? And what's cool is us pastors are getting able to just to go on Zoom calls and preach leadership training to other leaders and pastors around the globe from the comfort of our own living room. Come on now. This is good news, everybody. So Corey, one of our overseers, he sent me a text. Here's what it said. Hey, bro, hope you're doing great today. I wanted to send you a text to honor you and thank you. And really, when I read this, I want you to understand he's thanking me, but I want you to understand those of you that contribute, he's thanking you, Radius Church. Um, he said, there would not be a church plant 1,000 today without all you have done and did for ARC. Thank you for the ways you've served ARC the way you've served me, church planners, pastors. God sees and knows it all. You have, you have a great reward in heaven, my old friend. Now, I'm not sure why he said old friend. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to have to talk to him about that when he gets here. That text was, I almost edited my own text. But anyway, he says, I love you and wanted to tell you from me, thank you. Thank you, Radius Church, for your faithfulness and giving. Amen. So the world can hear. Listen, friends, if you don't know this, we're a part of something that's way bigger than ourselves. 
We gather a few hundred people here and then those online every Sunday. But we're a part of a global movement. Come on, everybody. It's the church of Jesus Christ. And through history and through time, they've tried to kill the church. But how, how many know what Jesus said? I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Amen? Come on now. Watch what he goes on to say. Jesus goes on to say this. He says, so when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation. What? How many has ever heard that before? All right, one, two people. All right. <laughs> Spoken of through the, watch this. I'm going to go back and, and help you understand the yellow words because that's what Jesus says in Matthew. And he says, when you hear the abomination that causes desolation spoken of through the prophet Daniel. So what he's doing is validating what Daniel told us over in the book of Daniel. So I'm getting ready to go back there, but I wanted you to understand Jesus validated what, G, uh, what Daniel had said. All right? Spoken of through the prophet Daniel. Let the reader understand. I, I love this. The abomination that causes desolation. I'll, I'll reveal what that means right now, but then I'll go back and backfill it. The abomination that causes desolation is when the, uh, 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 when the Antichrist builds a statue of himself in the temple of Deru Jerusalem, which I'm going to show you in Daniel and in the book of Revelation where that's going to happen. It could happen in our lifetime. It, be, it could be happening right now. Matter of fact, I've, I've heard that they've already started building furniture for the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem as we live right now. Okay, I just lost some of you. Let me backfill that a little bit, all right? Okay, so, so three and a half years after this Antichrist, it's in the Bible, guys. I'm not like coming up with some novel here. Um, that's the abomination that causes desolation. I'll come back and backfill that in a minute. But I like this little line. Let the reader understand. When I read that, I fell out of my chair. Really? I mean, come on, God. Let the reader understand. How many know some of this stuff is not really easy to understand? So what Jesus is saying, become students and understand. So my gift to you is to take six chapters of Daniel. I'm going to boil it down into 30 more minutes and send you on your way, everybody. All right? All right. So let's go back to Daniel now. Daniel summarizes all of his visions, Daniel 6 through 12, he summarizes all of his vision with a term. Now, I'm just boiling it down to its simplest level, all right? He, he talks about all these end-time events, and he uses a word, and this is the phrase he uses, 77s. Has anybody ever heard of this? 77s, okay? All right? I got a couple. Uh, Greg Carlson is one of our guys. Would you wave, wave your hand at us? Uh, he's a great author. He's a theologian. He does a lot of great end-time teaching. He might even correct me when I'm done. I don't know, all right? But if you want to dig a little deeper, he's hanging around in the foyer all the time. He'd be glad to. I'm going to just volunteer him right here because it's what I do. He'll even start a life group with you. All right, amen. <laughs> all right, so, uh, so, so, so 77s, all right? I want you to keep that in mind. And let me, we're going to unfold what that means in the next few minutes. So now let's go to Daniel. Are you guys tracking with me? Okay. I preached this to myself two or three times, and I confused myself. So, all right? Okay. So here we go. Let me read Daniel chapter number 9. This is the end of Daniel. Here we go. Seventy-sevens. This is in your Bible. Seventy-sevens are decreed for your people and your holy city to finish transgressions. I'm going to explain this the best I can when I'm done reading. To put an end to sin and atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up 
vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy place. Okay, let's stop right there. Let me work on this just a little bit. There's the term 77s. So it's, it's 7 equals 7 years. And they're not necessarily years in a row all the time, but it, it's more like 70 seasons of 7. All right? So let me say it another way. Daniel's seen all of the end time happening in a parenthetical statement of 490 years. Now, when I say 490 years, it's that all of the end time events will fit into 490 years. Not necessarily in a row. Everybody tracking? That's what the 77s are, okay? So he saw prophecy like this. So 70 times 7 is 490, okay? So in 490 years, all these things would happen. Now, most all of the prophecies that he talks about that would happen in these years have already been fulfilled. And this verse that I'm going to read to you breaks it down into three segments. Okay, so let's keep reading. So here's what he says. He says, know and understand this. From the time when the word goes out and, re and rebuilds Jerusalem. Stop right there real quick. From the time the word goes out and rebuilds Jerusalem. Okay, let me give you a little backfill. Okay, remember Daniel and his buddies were over in Jerusalem serving God. Babylon came and seized Jerusalem. Tore apart the city. Took them as slaves. Remember this, everybody? Took them. That's what I've been preaching for four weeks. So please nod at me and make me feel better, all right? And, and they brought them over and destroyed Jerusalem. So he's getting a vision from God that is saying, uh, he, he's saying that as soon as Jerusalem, from the time you go back and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, the calendar starts. This 490 years, it's going to start right there. By the way, when you're reading your Bible, from the time the world goes out and restores and rebuilds Jerusalem, they're going to go back and rebuild Jerusalem. In your Bible, the book of Nehemiah and the book of Ezra talk about this time in history when the people of God went back and rebuilt Jerusalem. Okay? You read Ezra, he gets up in the new temple. Nehemiah goes back with the evil king's money and rebuilds the walls. Okay? Just for those of you who need to know that. Okay. Now watch this. He says from uh, rebuild Jerusalem until, watch this, until the anointed one, notice anointed is capitalized. He's now talking about Jesus in Daniel. He's saying from the time that the walls get rebuilt until Jesus, the ruler, comes, there will be seven sevens. Now, hold on. You've you got to be a mathematician in this message, all right? Okay. And 62 sevens. Okay, hold on. I'm already confused, Ken. All right. Okay. Until, uh, the, until the anointed ruler comes. So seven times seven is 49 years. Um, it, it, 49 years. It took them 49 years to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Exactly 49 years. Now watch what he says. He says that's the seven sevens. 49 years took to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And then he says, and 62 sevens until the anointed one comes. Exactly 434 years to the date Jesus died on the cross. Exactly. It was all right there. It was all talked about way back in the book of Daniel. He said it'll take us seven sevens, 49 years to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. You don't even have to believe the Bible. It, it, it's in our Jewish history books. The walls were rebuilt 49 years after they went back to Jerusalem. And 434 years exactly to the date, which is the, which is the uh, 62 sevens, Jesus died on the cross. Wow. wow. 
Okay, you guys tracking with me so far? Kind of, sort of, enough to go back and dig into it. Okay, watch what else it says. Uh, after the 62 sevens, okay, after the 434 years, the anointed one will be put to death. There it is. He will be put to death. That's 434 years. The people of the ruler will come, will destroy the city again. So the city's going to get destroyed again. That happened. Your history books say it happened. In 70 AD, they went back and destroyed the walls again. Now, some of you are like, I'm sitting in history class. I left school, so I didn't have to do any of this. <laughs> Hang with me for just a few more minutes, and I'm going to make some of this more applicable. Are you guys with me? Yeah. All right. Okay. So the anointed will come, and he'll be put to death and have nothing. The people of the ruler who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. That happened in 70 AD, as I just said. And then the end will come like a flood. War will continue until the end. If everybody's waiting to have a good life when the world gets all together, you're going to be waiting a long time. See, we got to learn how to be overcomers in the midst of chaos. Because the Bible says there's going to be a lot happening in these last days, all right? And, 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 uh, and watch this now. Let me get back. And death will have nothing. The people of the ruler who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end will come like a flood. War will continue until the end. Watch this. This is what Jesus talked about. And desolation have been decreed. He's starting to talk about the desolation all right, uh, let's see. What else do I want to read? Uh, let me read a little bit more. All right, I'm going to unpack this. Hold on. He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. The ruler, which is the Antichrist, will come and sign a peace treaty. Basically, he's going to sign a peace treaty with Jerusalem, re rebuild the temple. Three and a half years into that seven-year peace treaty, he's going to build an idol of himself in that temple, kind of saying, just kidding, everybody. Then we hear all the stuff about the mark of the beast and all that, okay? You're not going to be able to buy and sell and all this kind of stuff. Okay, he will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. In the middle of the seven, see, there's the three and a half years. In the middle of the seven, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. In other words, no, just kidding. It's not really peace, all right? And at the temple, he will set up, there it is, that's what Jesus was talking about, an abomination that causes desolation. That is, he's going to set up an image of himself, declaring himself as the ruler of the world, or as the Bible calls him, the Antichrist, all right? Uh, until the end, that is decreed and poured out on him. All right, everybody got that? Okay, let's go home. <laughs> that's hard to read, isn't it? Okay, let me break it down into bullet points for you, okay? Let's just, let's just break this down, put the cookies on the lower shelf, all right, everybody? Uh, so here's what we got. Number one, Daniel saw 490 years of prophecy. So the end would happen within 490 years, okay? 483 of the 490 years have already been fulfilled. Does anybody know what that leaves? Seven years. There's seven years waiting to be fulfilled, all right? Uh, the first seven is the 49, let me go back, first seven sevens are the 49 years to rebuild the temple, okay, out of the 490, and then, give me the next one, 434 years later, Jesus died on the cross, all right, at this point in history, when Jesus died on the cross, 69 of the 77s have been fulfilled, 
We're waiting for one more seven, everybody. And all the signs that the Bible says would happen are happening in our generation to initiate the last seven years. And so we have seven years yet to be fulfilled. <laughs> Woo! Are you guys with me? All right. Now, let me do something that's going to be really hard, but just hang with me just a few more minutes, all right? It's going to get a little tougher before it gets better, all right? So... Those seven years, okay, where are those seven years? Where are those seven missing years? Well, they haven't been fulfilled yet, but let me take you to another hard book of the Bible called the book of Revelation. Nobody just reads that for fun, but here it is, and I'm going to do my best to just break the book of Revelation down into some categories, and while doing that, show you where the seven, the last seven years come. Okay, everybody? <laughs> I want my church back. I like when you're hooping and hollering, but this ain't a hooping and hollering message. You know what I'm saying? All right. So let me show you how the last seven fit in. So let me break down the whole book of Revelation for you and show you where the seven come. All right, here we go. Number one. It's ten parts. Number one is the age of the church. If you look at the book of Revelation, that happens in chapter two and three. Uh, last year, I did a series called The Seven Churches of Revelation. I hope you'll at least pretend you remember that. Okay. We are right now living in that age. We are in the age of the church. You think the world's bad now? You take God-loving, life-giving people and grace out of here and see what the world looks like. We're in a wonderful time where we can still come to church. And if you're in a country that can't go to church, it's outlawed. You can still worship your God. You can still pray to God. You can still honor your Lord and Savior. Amen, everybody? Come on now. We're in the age of the church. Right after that is what uh, uh, some call the rapture. That's, number, that's the second event. I put Revelations chapter number 4, verse number 1. Now, you may differ on this. If you're watching online or you're a scholar in the room, you may differ. Some people don't believe in a physical taking away. This is where the church is taken out of the world. It's called a rapture. You might not believe in that, but it's okay. You're entitled to be wrong, all right? So, uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, everybody. Uh, it doesn't change the end is all I'm getting at. Because I don't want us to get hung up on dates and images and, oh, well, I think... It doesn't really matter. What matters is the conclusion, all right? And the only reason I put this here is Revelation 4.1 is the last place the church is ever mentioned in Scripture. All through the New Testament, church, 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 no church, all right? You can look at that on your own. Um, the conclusion is still the same. Number three, the third event in the book of Revelation is the rise of the Antichrist. This is what Daniel just talked about, and, and, uh, and we talk about it in Revelations chapter 6. Uh, he's going to look like a great world leader. Uh, he's going to sign a peace treaty with Israel. He's going to rebuild the temple in Israel. And, and, and if you're here to witness that, um, well, either I was wrong about the rapture or... Uh, you missed the rapture. All right, everybody? Okay. I don't know what else to say to you, all right? Number four. <laughs> Number four. It's funny. We're laughing. That ain't a laughing matter. How many know what I'm saying? All right? Number four. Uh, then comes the tribulation. The tribulation is going to last seven years. There's the last seven years. It's the earth's great tribulation. Now, I hope that we do get raptured out. But he also says, those that stand faithful to the end. Wow. Listen, we complain in America about, oh, they shut down the church. Have you ever been to another country where church is outlawed? 
I've been to Russia. Talking about the war in Russia, I've been to Russia. And I walked with a little grandma into her backyard where she dug underneath her bean garden and pulled out a tin can and pulled out four pages from the book of Luke and held on to them like it was life. We're pretty blessed here in this country no matter what's going wrong. Can I get an amen on that, please? Amen. So the great tribulation, that's the last seven years. Uh, it happens in, in uh, chapter number 6 through uh, verse number 19. Uh, this will begin uh, the last seven of the 490. Uh, it's very confusing. I understand that. Okay, but after that is the second coming of Christ. Can anybody say hallelujah? You know, all right? This happens in Revelations chapter number 19. It's right there in your Bible. It's where Jesus comes back and takes his bride. You see it foreshadowed all through the New Testament. Uh, anybody know the parable of the ten virgins? The ten virgins, they're engaged, and the bridegroom goes away and builds a house. That's the Jewish custom. They would get engaged, and then the man would go away, build a house, make a living, and come back and get his bride, and then the ceremony would actually happen. All that is is a picture of the church in Jesus. Jesus, those of us that have given our life to Christ, we've become engaged with Christ. He has gone to his Father's house to prepare a mansion for you and I. And when he's done, he's coming back for his bride, also called the church, and there's going to be a great celebration. Amen, everybody, right? Okay, and by the way, if you're not clapping yet, during this season is when the Antichrist and Satan, the Bible says, is thrown into the bottomless pit. Woohoo! All right? Okay, then number seven, we're going to have a party. I mean, excuse me, number six is uh, the marriage supper of the Lamb. Okay? This is now, we're here on the earth. And it's the marriage supper of the Lamb. All I want to say about this time is it's one big party with all of God's people, the church of Jesus Christ, and the Lord. All right? And there's going to be food. And there's going to be Krispy Kreme donuts. Thank you, Jesus. All right? Okay. I don't know. That's heresy. But anyway, okay. Number six. Uh, number seven, then, is the millennial reign of Christ. That happens in Revelation 20, verse number six, the millennial reign of Christ. This is literally a thousand-year reign with Christ. And some people have this misconception of heaven. Oh, I don't know what heaven's going to be like. I'm going to be floating around on a cloud, being in the choir, singing. No, that is not heaven. You're not going to heaven to be Cupid, everybody, all right? That is not what heaven is going to look like. In fact, the millennial reign of Christ is not even in heaven. It's on this earth that has been renewed. And Jesus is here, and we are the earth's kings uh, having dominion like God intended for Adam and Eve to have way back in the garden. Can anybody say amen, all right? Let, let, let me put it to you another way so you got something to clap about today. During that time, there will be no devil. Yeah. All right, and there will be no sin. Yeah. And there will be no sickness. Yeah. And there will be no traffic in Seattle. Yeah. There might not even be a sickness. Well, never mind. I don't know. I just, all right. All right, there just won't be all those things. All right, then number eight, the eighth thing is this, the last rebellion. Now, I'm going to be the first one to stand up in here and say, I don't get it. God's ways are bigger than my ways. But in the last rebellion in Revelation chapter number 20, Satan will be released from the bottomless pit to give one last temptation to the earth. One last test to the earth. I don't get it. I don't think it's fair. It's like I already passed this test. I got to take it again. You know, 
I'll, I'll be the first to say, I don't know. And I know, I know for the theologians in the room, I understand theologically there's a lot of reasons why. I still don't get it. And, and so please don't come up to me and try to explain. I've read it. I still don't get it, okay? Uh, but some say it's for those who were born during the millennial reign to have their chance to choose Jesus just like all of us. Okay, so I'm just going to leave that there. I'm just the reporter, okay? Number nine uh, is the great white throne judgment. Uh, and this is where we stand before the great judgment of Christ. And, uh, and, and here's the good news. People of God, you never have to be a part of the great white throne judgment. Because we will show up and there will be a book that is open called the Lamb's Book of Life. And if your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, you get to pass that place and go over to a different judgment. It's called the Bema Seat. And at the Bema Seat, we get our rewards for what we've done here serving our Lord. And then the Bible says we'll be able to cast our crowns down at the feet of Jesus. And I always say this, I want to be busy doing God's work here because when I go to the Bema Seat, I want to get rewards so that I got something to tangibly give my Lord and Savior because he gave everything to me. Come on, everybody, right? Come on now. All right? Okay, and then number 10, and this is the last one, this is eternity, all right? And just eternity. It's not singing in a choir. It's a new heaven and a new earth like the garden that God created. And and some say, oh, I can't wait to get there. And we have so many crazy ideas about what heaven looks like. Oh, we're going to be all one race. That's the thing I've heard lately. We're all going to be one race because all the social injustice. We're not going to be all one race. God made all these colors, and he likes all the colors. Red and yellow, black and white. We're all going to be there. I had somebody years ago say, well, if they're going to be there, I don't know if I want to go. I said, well, you probably won't. You know what I'm saying, right? (laughs) Come on now, everybody. I mean, come on. Okay, now, let me back up. Sorry. Give me five minutes, and then I'm going to ask you for one more five, and then we'll be done. All right? So all that's interesting to me. I may have left 90% of you in the dust. It's like, whoa, why did I come here today? For those of you that like it deep, here it is. (laughs) For those of you that are like, could we get back to some regular everyday preaching? Come back next week, all right? But this is important. And all this is interesting to me. But mm, for me, what does it mean? Because if I can't leave here with, well, how do I live? How do I apply this? Then it's a great history lesson. It's a great lesson in theology. But how do I live? How do I apply it? Well, I think Daniel gives us some things to consider in his closing thoughts in the book of Daniel. Let's read it. Daniel chapter number 12, verses number 1 through 4. At that time, Michael, the great prince, who's the archangel, who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress. We just read about all that. There will be a time of distress such as not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. That's why I personally believe in a rapturing of the church. You can disagree, it's okay. But I believe we'll be delivered. We've already proven ourselves, okay? Multitudes who sleep in the dust, those that are dead, of the earth will awake. Come on, everybody. Some to everlasting life, Others to shame and everlasting contempt. Whew. That's intense, isn't it? What verse am I on here? Go, go to my next verse. Let's see what else I have. Those who are wise. The reason 
that I would study and do a message like this is because no matter how chaotic our culture gets, church, I'm going to stand before God one day and give an account of how I've helped you through these days. And as culture continues to get more chaotic and more crazy, we were all saying, ooh, we get to take our mask off, and then there's a war. And then there's, and there's always going to be something. So how do we live in a world that is getting darker every day? And Daniel says in verse number three, those who are wise. I preach this because I want you to be wise. I want you to know how to go into these days. I don't know when Jesus is coming, but I want you to live for him no matter what's going on in the world. As the world gets darker, I want you to shine brighter, and I want you to have more peace, and I want you to have more assurance, and I want you to have more joy. And I... Can, can anybody agree with me? And I want, you, you know what I'm saying, right? Okay. And watch this. We'll shine like the brightness of the heavens. Watch this. We cannot be the light in this world if we're ignorant and we start jumping on the bandwagons of all that's going on. I'm preaching this series because I was so disturbed during the height of COVID how much our conversations were about all the junk going on in the world reinforcing the darkness of the world rather than being light in the dark time. I want you to be wise so that we will shine the brightness of the heavens and those who lead many to righteousness. As the world gets darker, we have a greater opportunity to shine brighter. Come on, everybody, right? But you, Daniel, I love this. This is going to prove what I said about it being ambiguous. But you, Daniel, roll up. Uh, and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. Many will go here and there uh, to increase knowledge. Let me, let me just hit this real quick. The, he, he's saying this is part of the end of the age. Many will go here and there. D did you know that travel in the last hundred years, uh, I mean, it's increased greatly, right? Uh, I mean, there was a time when we could only travel 20 miles a day. That's why there's like a little town every 20 miles. Right now, I can get on an airplane after this and be virtually anywhere in the world. And if that doesn't work, I can Zoom call anywhere in the world. I Zoom called not long ago with some pastors in Italy. Come on, somebody. Anywhere in the world. Travel is increasing. Uh, and, 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 it, and it says knowledge will increase. Did you know that knowledge didn't even double until about 200 years ago? It didn't double for all those years until about 200 years ago. Then it doubled again 50 years later. Then it doubled again about 50 years later. Then it doubled again about 25 years later. Guess what? We're living in a generation right now where knowledge is increasing every 12 months. That's why everybody, oh, this, uh, this iPhone, i got to get the new one. Because there's new technology coming out all the time. Here's what Daniel says. I'm wrapping it up. He goes on and he says this. I heard... What he said, but I did not understand what it meant. <laughs> Whew, how many can relate to that one? <laughs> Men, this ought to be all of our refrigerator verses. <laughs> Honey, I heard what you said, but I'm not sure what you meant. <laughs> Come on, man. Amen. Woo! <laughs> I hear the words coming out. Never mind. Sorry. Different message. Different message, everybody. Okay. <laughs> But he's being real because you're going to leave here today picking up a few things, but you're going to go out here just like me going, hmm, I'm not sure if I got all that. Neither did Daniel. Okay? So I asked, how will all this finally end, Lord? But he said, watch this. Go now, Daniel. Here's what I'm asking you to do, church. Go now. Go. Work while the days are light. 
Work while we have days. Make your life count. Go now, Daniel. Make your hours. Make your days. Make your weeks. Until whenever the Daniel didn't know. It could have been next week. Until the end. Go now, Daniel. For what I have said is kept in secret. See? It's not all revealed. It's ambiguous. And sealed until the time of the end. Wow. All right? Uh, let's see. Do I have any more? Or is that all I'm going to read today? I got more? Okay. And blessed are those who wait and remain until the end of the 1,335 days. I won't get into all that, but that's kind of the half of the three and a half years thing. I won't get into that. As for you, go your way until the end. You will rest. And then at the end of the days, you will rise again and receive, here it is, church, an inheritance set aside for you. If you endure to the end. There's an inheritance. I don't know exactly what the end's going to look like. I watch the news and I'm like, what is going on in our world? Say, Ken, that's a great message, but mm, I don't know. That's not typical how Radius does things. Okay, so remember I said I'd ask you for five last minutes. Here they are. So what does it all mean? What is God saying to Daniel? Go now. He says, I want you to be wise. So church, I want you to be wise. Let me give you three things where we can be wise in relative to these things. All right? If you've ignored me the whole time, I get it. It's confusing. I understand. But let me give you three things because it's all written right there in the scriptures and we are a generation that is seeing it happen right now. So what do we do about it? Number one. Number one is follow God and not culture. Please, I'm begging you as your pastor. When the pandemic hit, I seen us spend so much time arguing politics, and and we need Christians involved in politics. I'm not saying that. But we spend so much time fighting about disagreeing, agreeing, making our point about what's happening in culture. Don't follow culture. The darker culture gets, the brighter we need to shine. The crazier it gets, the more we don't need to dive into who's behind it. I can tell you, the prince of this world It's the devil. We need to dive into the word of God. Follow God and not culture. You know what God says? Love. That's what he says. He says to love one another. By this, all men will know you're my disciples. That means love those that agree with us. Love those that go to church with us. Love those that are different than us, that disagree with us, that have different political agendas than us, that are different color than us, that are different sex than us, that are different belief than us, that are different religions than us. Has anybody in the house love one another? That's what God tells us to do. I don't have to agree with you to do life with you. Half of you are disagreeing with me right now. I'm hoping you don't leave the church over it. Come on, everybody. Number two, the second thing is be ready for Christ's return. I don't know when it's going to happen. I I don't know. But we are right up to the last seven. And if the rapture does take place, come on, before the last seven, we're right up against it. All the signs have been fulfilled. Come on, everybody. Be ready for Christ's return. How do I do that, Ken? How do I live in a world that's going crazy without fear? Is be ready for Christ's return. This world is nothing. If you're all freaked out about this world, you're putting too much expectation in this world. Come on, everybody. We got a better world coming. We got a Savior coming. We got a God who loves us. We got a world we're going to, a new heaven and a new earth. All right? So be ready for Christ's return. You do that by becoming a Christ follower and following him. And then number three, and please hear this. I beg you because I'm talking to mostly Christians in this room. 
Some of you came here today, maybe you're not serving God and you're watching online and you're not serving God, then take heed to number two. But for the rest of you that love Jesus, number three, I beg you as your pastor, make the most of this life. Quit coming to church and sitting. Quit saying I'm a Christian and doing nothing. Go love people. You don't have to wear a lanyard to be the light of the world. You don't have to wear a dream team lanyard to be the salt of the earth. But I'm asking, come on, church. I believe God has brought us here for unfinished business. And as the world is getting darker, I'm not sitting in my room going, oh, man, God brought me all the way back to Mount Vernon for COVID. No, he brought us back because as the world gets darker, we need more life-giving Christians. We need more life-giving churches. We need more grace-filled churches to share the love of Jesus Christ, everybody. Come on now. And let me tell you something, as the world gets darker, the old ways, I hope you hear this, listen to this, I talked about it in the Daniel series, go back and listen to it, the old ways of being light don't work anymore. The church is no longer the center stage of culture, it's no longer the center stage of politics, of social, of social clubs and all that, the church no longer has the center voice. So listen to me friends, you have to, we have to earn the right to be heard. We have to love people and care for people and accept people. And acceptance does not mean agreement. The day you go and say, hey, you're going to hell without Jesus, you've just lost more people than you've ever gained. You build a relationship. You build the right to be heard. And Daniel, Daniel didn't confront the kings. He didn't confront his culture. The Bible says he honored his culture. And while he honored his culture, he didn't play a bait and switch on them. Come on, everybody. He didn't invite him to a secret meeting and Shazam, do you know Jesus? Ah, right? No. He, he built influence on them. By honoring the culture and the kings and the people that he was in while he disagreed and didn't bow. Come on, church. Are you hearing that today? Because what happens is we'll get all zealous about being good Christians and we'll turn more people off and we lose our influence. We got to have influence in this time and we got to be the light in this time and we got to be the salt in this time. Every, amen, everybody. Okay, I got to close right there. I got to close. <laughs>